and welcome to Spellcast, episode 38. I'm Courtney, and well, it's going to be just me today. Um, this week has kind of kicked me in Andrea's butts, so I'm um, sorry for the late post on this. It's going to be up on Saturday night, and uh, normally we release Friday, so apologies that it's a day late, um, but for whatever reason, whether it's Mercury Retrograde, Daylight Savings, We've just been super exhausted and working really hard this week, so um, again, apologies for the day late on the episode. But since it is just going to be me today, uh, we're going to do a mythology episode. From what I heard, everyone has really liked uh, the mythology readings, and I want to continue to do that. There's some extra ones up on uh, Patreon, part of the extra content. I'm going to be putting special mythology episodes on there as well, Um, but for today... The myth that we're going to go over is the myth of Narcissus and Echo. Now, it's one of the more popular myths, so I'm sure you guys have heard of it before. Um, But if not, Narcissus is actually where we get the name for daffodils, the Narcissus flower. So, um, Narcissus was, uh, in Greek mythology, the son of the river god Cepheus and the nymph Liriope. Mm, Liriope? Sorry, (laughs) that name's a little hard to say. Uh, He was distinguished for his beauty, both by men and women, and according to Ovid's Metamorphosis, Book 3, Narcissus's mother was told by the blind seer Tiresias that he would have a long life, provided he never recognized himself. So, that's our main character, Um, but in this myth, I'm also going to talk about Narcissus and Echo, and I guess what you could call a tragic love story. So... With Narcissus, um, his story began before Echo, and Echo has her own story as well. Um, Echo was one of the, I don't, I guess you could say unfortunate uh, consorts of Zeus because um, because of her relation with Zeus. Hera became mad as usual and um, punished Echo. So Echo was a beautiful nymph that uh, her only, I guess, flaw in this case was to be attractive to Zeus. And um, Hera made it so... Oh, and also, she spoke a lot. So, you know, she was around um, the gods, and and they did like listening to her talk and her stories and everything, but because of, um, you know, Hera's annoyance, she decided that she wanted to silence Echo, so she made it so Echo could only repeat back what was said to her. So instead of being able to talk and tell her stories, she now was forever only able to echo people, which I'm sure as you guessed with her name is where we get echo from. So if you shout into a cavernous area and you hear your voice come back to you and that's your echo, that's where this comes from. So that's the myth of that. And with echo, she's going to meet Narcissus and there's going to be a love story there. So I will get into the story and then talk a little bit about um, more background of, of narcissists. There is narcissism that comes from that as well. Um, you know, being selfish in a way that you're loving yourself and it's a, it's, um, like a mental illness. So it's not necessarily, uh, just selfishness. It's a certain type of, um, like psychology and how somebody can be. Um, sometimes I know people do have experiences with narcissists and um, it's not as blatant as the story of, of narcissists, but uh, it actually is such a well-known story that it became the name for this um, 
you know, type of psychology. So I'm going to read a little bit from uh, a, hist- a uh, from sorry, <laughs> from auburnedu.com. They have a myth up there um, of echo and narcissist. So this is their version. Uh, now, as we know, Greek and Roman things kind of mix. So uh, they might have some Roman names in here. I'm going to just change it to Greek for the sake of the story. Um, now, we shall begin. Echo was a beautiful nymph, fond of the woods and hills, where she devoted herself to woodland sports. She was a favorite of Artemis and attended her in the chase. But Echo had one failing. She was fond of talking, and whether in chat or argument, would have the last word. One day, Hera was seeking her husband, who, she had reason to fear, was amusing himself among the nymphs. Echo, by her talk, contrived to detain the goddess till the nymphs made their escape. When Juno discovered it, she passed sentence upon Echo in these words, You shall forfeit the use of that tongue with which you have cheated me, except for the one purpose you are so fond of. Reply. You shall still have the last word, but no power to speak the first. This nymph saw Narcissus, a beautiful youth, as he pursued the chase upon mountains. She loved him and followed his footsteps. Oh, how she longed to address him in the softest accents and win him to converse, but it was not in her power. She waited with impatience for him to speak first and had answer ready. One day, the youth, being separated from his companions, shouted aloud, Who's there? Echo replied, Here. Narcissus looked around, but seeing no one called, Come! Echo answered, Come. As no one else came, Narcissus called again. Why do you shun me? Echo asked the same question. Let us join one another, said the youth. The maid answered with all her heart in the same words, and hastened to the spot, ready to throw her arms around his neck. He started back, exclaiming, Hands off! I would rather have you die than should have me. Oh, sorry. I would rather die than you should have me. Have me, she said, but it was all in vain. He left her, and she went off to hide her blushes in the recesses of the woods. From that time forth, she lived in caves and among mountain cliffs. Her form faded with grief, till at last her flesh shrank away. Her bones were changed into rocks, and there was nothing left of her but her voice. With that, She is still ready to reply to anyone who calls her and keeps up her old habit of having the last word. Narcissus's cruelty in this case was not the only instance. He shunned all of the rest of the nymphs, as he had done poor Echo. One day, a maiden, who had in vain endeavored to attract him, uttered a prayer that he might sometime or other feel what it was like to love and meet no return of affection. The avenging goddess heard and granted the prayer. There was a clear fountain with water like silver, to which the shepherd never drove their flocks, nor the mountain goats resorted, nor any of the beasts of the forest. Neither was it defaced with fallen leaves or branches, but the grass grew fresh around it, and the rock sheltered it from the sun. Hither came one day the youth, fatigued with hunting, heated and thirsty. He stooped down to drink, and saw his own image in the water. He thought it was some beautiful water spirit living in the fountain. 
He stood gazing with admiration at those bright eyes, those locks curled like the locks of Bacchus or Apollo, the rounded cheeks, the ivory neck, the parted lips, and the glow of health and exercise all over. He fell in love with himself. He brought his lips near to take a kiss. He plunged his arms in to embrace the beloved object. He fled, it fled at his touch, but returned again after a moment and renewed the fascination. He could not tear himself away. He lost all thought of food or rest while he hovered over the brink of the fountain, gazing upon his own image. He talked to the supposed spirit. Why, beautiful being, do you shun me? Surely my face is not one to repel you. The nymphs love me, and you yourself look not indifferent upon me. When I stretch forth my arms, you do the same, and you smile upon me and answer my beckonings with the like. His tears fell into the water and disturbed the image. As he saw it depart, he exclaimed, Stay, I entreat you. Let me at least gaze upon you, if I may not touch you. With this, and much more of the same kind, he cherished the flame that consumed him, so that by the degrees he lost his color, his vigor, and the beauty which formerly had so charmed the nymph Echo. She kept him near, however, and when he exclaimed, Alas, alas, she echoed him in the same words. He pined away and died, and when his shade passed the Stygian River, it leaned over the boat to catch a look at itself in the waters. The nymphs mourned for him, especially the water nymphs, and when they smote their breasts, Echo smote hers too. They prepared a funeral pyre and would have burned the body, but it was nowhere to be found. But in its place, a flower, purple within and surrounded by white leaves, which bears the name and preserves the memory of Narcissus. So, apologies for a little bit of stumbling over my words there, um, but that is the story of Narcissus and Echo. Um, now, back when I had first learned about the myth, um, I hadn't realized that Echo was also a part of it. I just had heard, you know, that I see, I can see daffodils are named Narcissus, and that kind of got me interested in it, but all I knew is Narcissus was a boy who was obsessed with his reflection and fell in love with himself and died and turned into a flower. I didn't know a lot of the details about the goddess that, you know, had put that as a curse on him or, or Echo who had loved him. And I find that really interesting. So it's kind of a typical Greek tragedy in that sense. Um, there's a few different versions of like Echo's story and I did try looking more into her. I couldn't find too much. Um, but to be fair, that was just an internet search. I haven't checked any books or anything. So if anyone knows of um, more you know, in-depth research on Echo, I would love to check that out and to read more about her and Narcissus too. I mean, it's an interesting story, but sometimes with these Greek stories, they're meant to be short and there's not too much beyond that. Um, so I think it's fascinating that that's where they get Echoes from because, I mean, it really sounds just like an Echo now. She's just a voice and and this otherworldly, like, erythral being and sound and that makes me kind of sad. I really am glad it's a myth and that it's nothing true because it would make me really sad that every time I I spoke and something bounced back and sound bounced back at me, bounced back at me and it was an echo, that it was a woman actually trying to just connect with people. 
Can you imagine how heart-wrenching that is to want to speak? It's almost worse than being mute because people probably would get very annoyed should you not actually be able to explain what's wrong and why you can't formulate your own words and why it's just a repeat of what they're saying to you. And it gets lonely. And in her case, she was in love with a man. I mean, to put my own judgment on it, I would say probably not the best choice of man to be in love with since he was um, what we would now call narcissistic uh, and vain and obsessed with himself. Um, but, you know, it's still it's still tragic that the man that she loved, she wasn't able to connect with him. Uh, I can only imagine what that's like. And I would say that that's more of a literal version and it's good symbolism for you know, what happens if someone does feel unrequited love. It's almost like you are unheard by the person. And if you do make contact and and you get spurned, um, it is really painful. You know, that pain that Echo feels is real and it's sad. It really is. It's very depressing. Um, And, you know, who knows? I mean, even if she wasn't cursed with being people's repeat, I would say that she probably would have been spurned by narcissists anyway. I don't think that that was the reason that he spurned her. I think he just was so full of himself that he thought, oh, well, you know, I've I've been uh, chased after by nymphs before and I'm too good for them. Um, which Zeus himself isn't too good for nymphs. So I guess he really thought highly of himself in that fact. Uh, and from the paintings that I can see, uh, you know, he looks like a typical young Greek boy. Um, no offense to him or anything. I don't think it's of any exceptional beauty that maybe it deserved uh, that kind of obsession. Um, but I still think, uh, you know, the fact that there's also that element um, that there they say that there's like a seer that had said about him having a long life, provided he never actually recognized himself. That's a really big element in Greek mythology, having a soothsayer or a seer or an oracle tell of some tragedy to befall someone and they kind of can't escape their fate. So I wonder what Narcissus's mom kind of garnered from that. Because if you're saying, oh, he's never recognized himself, back then there weren't as many mirrors, reflective surfaces uh, for people to see themselves. So, you know, they were attended by other people or, you know, should they not be wealthy enough to have attendance? Um, I'm sure we're just helped out by family or friends or reflective surfaces, but nothing that was so clear as to be able to see details like you can see in like the mirrors we have now. So, and if you think about it even more in depth of recognizing himself, was it that he just saw himself in a reflection or that he recognized himself as handsome? Because if he all of a sudden comes of age and knows, oh, all these people are after me. Oh, all these people are really attracted to me. I must be something special. I must be something more attractive than the rest of the humans. And so is that what it means by recognizing? Um, Recognizing his own worth in a sense and how others view him. Um, So that's something to think about as well. And uh, speaking of you know, uh, him being recognized as a reflection, the story it's possible could have come from an ancient Greek superstition that it was unlucky or even fatal to see one's own reflection. Now, um, that's a superstition, like there's a lot of superstitions about mirrors and stuff in various cultures. And I think that that can be equated to mirrors being portals, um, even very clear pools, like the one narcissist looked into could be considered a portal to another realm. 
So I think that's where that superstition comes from is, you know, it's almost like the superstition of photography too, like stealing your soul. So a mirror is a reflection of you, of your soul. It's who you are. And you can do scrying and divination in a mirror to really see things, um, you know, I mean, it's just like water scrying or anything else to see things as a form of divination, to understand things that may come to be, or you can scry to see the darker sides of yourself, um, you know, different facets of your personality. Uh, if Andrea was here, he'd be able to tell you that he does mirror scrying and, you know, he's seen some pretty intense things. Um, we'll have to have him talk about that in one of the episodes, but and I'm pretty sure he probably has already, If but if not, we'll talk about it. Um, but mirror scrying actually freaks me out because I'm in that realm of, okay, well, if it can take, if it can show me another dimension, if, if it does show me darker sides, am I ready to face that? Um, and also there's that, that little silly fear uh, that is unfounded in the Bloody Mary myths that you find when you're a little kid. And like, you know, if you're a girl and you had a sleepover, you pretty much did that at some point at some sleepover. Um, and I know it's not true. It's it's based off of, um, you know, Queen Mary and because she was ruthless and beheading and killing people. Um, it's just that, you know, because it's something that's, uh, that's showed to you when you're little, you just have an irrational fear of it. So I'm just not into looking in mirrors in the dark, um, but that's what you need to do. Scrying mirrors are either black obsidian, some kind of black reflective surface, or you can do it in a normal mirror. Um, and But doing it in the dark is is best, and you can have a candle lit just so you can kind of see. Um, but I definitely understand that superstition because what if you look upon your reflection and people could have been afraid of their dark sides or they could have been afraid of their soul either escaping or some kind of like a a negative version of themselves in the mirror, maybe that escaping. Uh, so I can definitely understand that aspect of um, the superstition. So yeah, I mean, with this, with this myth, it's has a lot of the classic elements of any Greek myth, really. And, uh, you, you know, upon reading the PDF, there are other versions of, um, you know, you can have like the Roman version, which just basically changes a lot of the names. There wasn't anything too different. And um, looking in that story from Auburn EDU, they just kind of acknowledged the fact that, you know, the names could be exchanged. Um, so, yeah, I mean, with this myth, I would love to look more into it if there are other versions. Um, I found ones, you know, pretty much the versions are all are all similar with a few details changed here and there. Um, a lot of the dialogue is the same though. And I found this to be a really nice, concise version that was easy to read and had a good like um, story feel to it. So it wasn't just so informational. Um, and I, I always like reading the story types because I feel like it really just makes it flow a lot better. Um, yeah. And... If um, if you want to know like a little bit more uh, about Narcissus, um, it does mention him hunting and stuff. So he was uh, supposed to be a hunter um, from Thespia in Boeotia. Uh, and he was always known for his beauty. Um, and he was a Lyconian hunter who loved everything beautiful. So that just kind of uh, permeated his life. And, you know... 
because of that infatuation with himself, oh yes, I always wanted to talk about um, psychology too. So the narcissist, you know, his name kind of went on to uh, be a term for a psychological condition. Um, So I will talk a little bit about uh, narcissism, so an, or narcissistic personality disorder. It's a personality disorder with a long-term pattern of abnormal behavior, categorized by exaggerating feelings of self-importance, excessive need for admiration, and a lack of empathy. Those affected often spend much time thinking about achieving power or success or on their appearance. They often take advantage of the people around them. The behavior typically begins by early adulthood and occurs across a variety of social situations. Um, now, it is a long-term uh, condition, and, um, you know, sometimes it can be associated with certain um, other types of disorders, or, you know, people might not recognize it right away as uh, narcissism, but the cause of narcissistic personality disorder is unknown. Um, it is... Uh, the condition needs to be differentiated from other sorts of, uh, you know, mental conditions from like mania or substance use disorder. Um, whereas I think there can be considered elements of what would seem like narcissistic personality disorder, but to have the true disorder is something completely different. Um, treatments have not been well studied. Uh, therapy is often difficult as people with the disorder frequently do not consider themselves to have a problem, which would make sense because if you were extremely vain to the point of having a diagnosable condition, um, you wouldn't think anything's wrong with you. You'd think you're amazing and wonderful just the way you are. Um, and in more of a self-serving way, not in a body positivity way or a, any sort of positivity way. Um, about 1% of people are believed to be affected at some point in their life. It appears to occur more often in males than females and affects young people more often than older people. The personality was first described in 1925 by Robert Wilder, and the term and the term NPD came into use in 1968. Um, so it makes sense that they didn't name it after a male character in Greek myth, since a lot of males exhibit this um, disorder. Now, people with NPD are characterized by persistent grandiosity, excessive need for admiration, and a personal disdain and lack of empathy for others. As such, the per person with NPD usually displays arrogance and a distorted sense of superiority, and they seek to establish abusive power and control over others. Self-confidence, a strong sense of self, is different from narcissistic personality disorder. People with NPD typically value themselves over others to the extent that they openly disregard the feelings and wishes of others and expect to be treated as superior, regardless of their actual status or achievements. Moreover, the person with narcissistic personality disorder usually exhibits a fragile ego or self-concept, intolerant of criticism, and has a tendency to belittle others in order to validate their own superiority. Um, so I guess that could be equated to narcissist in that he was putting down other people because he felt they weren't worthy of him. Um, but that kind of differentiates from, I believe, the character and the myth is that uh, people with narcissistic personality disorder actively put down other people and belittle them and have no actual concept of their accomplishments. Um, now, as a hunter, I would assume narcissist was accomplished, um, or at least a decent hunter, but 
all we really know about him is his looks. So he was attractive. Everyone else noticed that. It wasn't something he made up himself. Um, but I feel like the description of this disorder would be the person thinks that they are better regardless of what is actually true um, or, you know, what other people can see. So a narcissist person, someone with narcissist personality disorder may think that they are a star athlete when they actually have no awards or have never run a marathon or competed in anything. Um, but to them, because they can run down the block, they're the best person that's ever ran track or done anything. Now, um, again, like I said, with narcissists, his looks were actually confirmed by other people. Um, that didn't make it right that he thought he was better than other people, but I feel like that kind of differs from the, um, disorder. Now, um, the DSM-5 indicates that persons with NPD usually display some or all of the following symptoms, typically without the commensurate qualities or accomplishments. Um, so these are a few things that, you know, you could maybe pick out somebody with narcissistic personality disorder. Grandiosity and expectations of superior treatment from other people. Fixation on fantasies of power, success, intelligence, attractiveness. Self-perception of being unique, superior, and associated with high-status people and institutions. Need for continual admiration of others, which is similar to narcissists. Sense of entitlement to special treatment and to obedience from others. Exploitation of others to achieve personal gain. Unwillingness to empathize with the feelings, wishes, and needs of other people. Intense envy of others, and the belief that others are equally envious of them. Pompous and arrogant demeanor. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of sounds like a lot of people in the business world. <laughs> a lot of CEOs or people that get really high up in the corporate ladder uh, because there's no empathy, there's no regard for other people, and they think that they are powerful and worthy of their position, whether they truly are or not. Um, now, this personality disorder develops in adolescence or early adulthood, um, and it is not uncommon for children and adolescents to display traits similar to those of NPD, but such occurrences are usually transient and below the criteria for a diagnosis. So, you know, uh, no sense in overdiagnosing people. Sometimes people can just be a little selfish. Um, they might have other um, things that aren't, you know, maybe the best parts of their personality, but it might not be full-blown narcissistic personality disorder. Um, the empathy systems must be sufficiently severe that they significantly impair the person's capabilities to develop meaningful human relationships. Generally, the symptoms of NPD also impair the person's psychological abilities to function, either at work or school or in important social settings. Um, the DSM-5 indicates that the traits manifested by the person must substantially differ from cultural norms in order to qualify as symptoms of NPD. Um, you know, again, these people exaggerate their skills. Uh, they over-exaggerate basically any point in their life that it becomes noticeable and probably quite annoying or pestering to other people. Um, and it's negative because they are controlling, blaming it. It affects other people. It's not just something that affects only them. Um, so the causes really are unknown, like I kind of mentioned before. Um, but experts tend to apply a biopsychosocial model of causation, meaning that a combination of environmental, social, and genetic neurobiological factors are likely to play a role in formulating a narcissistic personality um, 
There is evidence that narcissistic personality disorder is um, inherited, so it could be genetic, and people are more likely to develop NPD if they have a family history of the disorder. Studies on the occurrence of personality disorders in twins determined that there's a moderate to high um, heritability for narcissistic personality disorder. However, the specific genes and gene interactions that contribute to its cause and how they may influence the development and psychological processes underlying this condition have not yet been determined. So that's a lot of information um, about narcissistic personality disorder, uh, but you can definitely see where it comes from. I mean, it was aptly named, I think, and I always find it fascinating that a lot of our medical um, knowledge or, you know, any sort of um, diagnoses, names for things, and even si- anything scientific, whether it's botany or something else, re- relates to Greek words. Um, you know, Greek and Latin being the root of so many languages. And it's just so cool to me to see a new word and be like, huh, I wonder if that's in a myth or, huh, I wonder where they get that from. And then to look it up and find that it is. And there's a whole story behind it. Um, so good job on the people for naming this that really did their work and studied Greek mythology. Um, so yeah, uh, with that, I think that is a pretty good, uh, explanation of who narcissist was how it kind of translates into today um so i kind of went into maybe pop culture mythology uh by ari realm (laughs) because i'm connecting it to modern things but i think that's really important in order to um you know have people really understand how things are still important still relevant that it's not just some old history story that it is important to our everyday lives and to see how it really impacts things um, and so shout out to Ari on that one. You guys should definitely check out Pop Culture Mythology. She does a great job of talking about myths from all cultures and all over the world and bringing them into the modern era. And she's just great. So you should definitely check her out. Um, yeah. And like I said, if anyone knows more stories about Echo, uh, I'd love to learn more about her. If there is more, sometimes these people are just minor, um, characters in Greek tragedies or Greek mythology. So that's okay too. Um, But I hope you guys enjoy this episode of Narcissus and Echo. And if you do like uh, our myth stories and you do like that we read them, um, just let me know. Uh, We're on Facebook in the Spellcast podcast group. Anybody can join. We've had a lot of people joining recently, especially from other podcasts. So it's super exciting to see our community grow and really get to know new people. I mean, we love doing this, you know, Andrea and I, we do really want to bridge the gap between the mundane and the occult, which we discovered today in an interview that we did with The Haunted Ride. Um, I wish he was here to also comment on this with me, but that there really is no gap. I mean, we say bridge the gap, um, but to be honest, there shouldn't be one. Um, It should just be understanding love and openness and be able to relate to other humans and just understand their backgrounds um, and where they come from. So hopefully one day we'll be able to say there is no gap, um, that everyone just is open-minded, understanding, and accepting of others. And um, we are also on the Facebook page, uh, Spellcast Podcast on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. So if you want to comment about this episode or any other ones, or you have ideas for Greek stories you'd like to hear, um, 
If you want me and Andreal to do more of a dramatic reading of something, you can let us know on Twitter. We're on Twitter at SpellCastPod, and we're also on Instagram at WitchyPage, and you can also email us, so WitchyPage at gmail.com or Andreal at gmail.com. You can find either one of us there, and we'll both get it. Um, so let's see, is there anything else kind of businessy related and um, well, if you want to be able to support the show and get extra bonus content, there's always the Patreon page. Oh, and also, I see that a lot of people listen to us on Apple Podcasts. So if you could and you haven't already, a review would be really helpful. Um, it's what helps get our show seen, gets the word out there, and it really does help us out a lot. And it's a good way to support us if you're not able to, um, you know, partake in Patreon or anything like that, a review um, just honestly makes us really happy at the end of the day and means so much to us. So uh, you can just go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. You can just um, click up to five stars and then write a little thing. I mean, if you don't want to make it a big, long story, just say, hey, I love you guys. You're cool or whatever. Uh, It's really appreciated. And you can reach out to us in any way. Uh, So that kind of about wraps it up for the story of Narcissus and Echo. So All by myself, I'm here saying, remember, there's a little witch in all of us. Have a great night. Mm